Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Amen. Thank you, Gary. And I hope and pray that today you all hear the Lord speak. You know, um, we are starting a new series this week. And so for the, the next 40 days, for the next six weeks, we as a church are committed to spending 40 days in the Word. And so when I say spending 40 days in the Word, what do I mean? Well, you, you see it right there. We want to learn to love the Word. We want to learn the Word. And we want to learn to live the Word. You know, as Christians, sometimes we find ourselves spending a lot of time in the Bible and yet not letting the Bible spend a lot of time in us. This is natural. This is a, a, a human response. But I can tell you that it's not God's way. God doesn't want us just to hear the word. He wants us to become a part of the word. And so uh, the, the sermon today is called Pronounce It. And what I will be doing is over the next six weeks, introducing to you six different ways that you can study God's word. Now, a lot of times when you think about the Bible... You want to know, what is the purpose of God's? What is the purpose of 66 different books? What is the purpose of the fact that these 66 different books were written by 40 different authors? That these 40 different authors were on three different continents, they wrote it in three different languages, and they wrote it over a 1,500-year period of time. What's the purpose? Well, God's purpose for our life is much more than what many of us um, get exposed to, and that is to be informed by God's Word. You see, the purpose of the Bible is not to inform us, but it's to transform us. The reason why that we look at the Scripture is not that we learn about it, because here is the reality today in 2019, that too many Christians get over-informed on the Scripture, and yet they never let it transform them. They never let the Word of God change their life. They don't let the Word of God um, permeate through everything they are. So think about these words. Romans uh, 12 tells us, it says, Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. How do we do this? By the renewing of our mind. And so instead of just hearing about the Word, being uh, comfortable with uh, being able to quote Bible verses. The goal of the next six weeks is for us to seek a point in our lives where we allow the, the Word of God to transform us. And, and when the, if you look at the word transform, what that means is to be renewed completely from within. Well, if you want to be renewed completely from within by the Word of God, you've got to get the Word of God inside of you. So one of the first verses I want to introduce to you today is in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, and verses 16 and 17. And before I read that scripture to you, I want you to understand a couple of things about scripture. All right, You will find that there are Bible verses that, that 
have what I call the three P's. All right, And the first P is this, that there's a principle in that verse or those verses. Not only will you find a principle, but then God explains himself by giving you a philosophy or he gives you a theoretical basis or even better than that, an easier way to say this, he gives you the why. Why am I telling you this principle? And then the third P is that you're going to find a promise. All right, so you see the three P's here in this verse. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's the principle. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but I saw a bumper sticker when I was a teenager, and it said this, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like bumper stickers, but you know, that one just had it wrong. Because what the bumper sticker should say is, God said it, that settles it. You know, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. The Word of God is true. It doesn't matter if you believe or not that Jesus Christ is coming back one day. He's coming back one day. It doesn't matter if you um, believe the verses that you memorize or believe the verses that you hear quoted or believe the verses that you read. They are principles that are ultimately true and will permeate life. If we let it. Well, if you continue to read, you'll see not only is there a principle, and the principle is this, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, but now you see the philosophy. He explains what he means by, why is it important for us to know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God? Well, here's the answer. It's profitable for four things. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Pretty much any Sunday, you could take my sermon and you look at it and you're either going to see doctrine being taught, you're going to see a reproof being given, like, hey, we shouldn't, shouldn't be doing that. Or you're going to hear a correction, and there's a big difference between reproof and correction. Reproof is, hey, stop doing that. That's wrong. Correction is, this is how you're supposed to do it. And then the third thing, or fourth thing, is to have instruction in righteousness. Over the next six weeks, you're going to see the instruction in righteousness part. So today, you're going, so over these six weeks, it's going to be more teaching and less preaching. I want to teach you, I want us as a church to walk for the next 40 days in such a way that we immerse ourselves in God's word. And it's not just a slogan when we say that we're going to love the word, learn the word, and live the word. But it becomes something that we'll do for the next six weeks. You know, here's the reality. 40 days are going to come and go. You're going to look up, you're going to blink, and it is going to be on the other side of Thanksgiving. And the question is this. How much of your life will have changed by the verses that you read? By the word? Well, if the three Ps hold true, the principle is all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The philosophy or the why is because it's profitable for one of four things, doctrine, reproof, correction, or instruction in righteousness. And then the third P is this. Here's the promise. And that's so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Now, ladies, don't be discouraged. That doesn't just mean us, guys. When the, the, the scripture uses this, this is a, a generic term, and it, it applies to all of us. So that um, each of us as Christians 
that call ourselves Christ followers, we may be equipped for every good work. You know, and, and I, just, I just need to say this, that many times as Christians, we, we mess up. And what happens is we take the why, we take the philosophy of what God is trying to teach us, and we make that the important, the emphasis. But if I said that I, I see a principle here, and I said that I see a philosophy of why it's here, and I said that I see a promise, what do you think is the most important of those three things? The most important is the promise. All of the other thing is, is inform us. The promise is what transform us. And so when we look at this promise, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. That's why we read scripture. That's why we memorize. That's why we hide God's word in our heart. Why? So that we get transformed. Now, it's easier to just say that than to actually do that. So let me share with you five different principles when it comes to studying God's word. And the first principle is very simply this. Ask the right questions. Now, you know that I challenge, I encourage you, um, don't just take my word for it. Study. If, if I say something wrong, uh, send me an email. I'm okay with that. Matter of fact, um, it would be very encouraging if, if I said something wrong that somebody said, hey, Pastor Ronnie, you know, uh, I don't think that that's uh, what it meant. And I look at it and I say, you know what, you're right. Man, I don't know, what, what in the world did my training do for me? But wouldn't it be better for me to learn that than to continue to teach error? So as a Christian, when you read God's word, you need to ask the right questions. Now, um, I understood the power of questions a few years ago because uh, I read a, a book. I was a part of a mastermind group that was going through a book called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. The book is written by John Maxwell. He's written many different books. John Maxwell was a pastor for 30 years, and then he retired from the pastorate and started uh, ministering to um, the leadership community. And now he's in, in the twilight of his life, literally. He is doing both. He's, he's pastoring um, again, and he's continuing to go throughout the world, literally, and developing leaders through the principles in God's Word. Well, as I was learning, as going through this mastermind process, which was uh, about six weeks long, and I learned the concept that great leaders or good leaders ask great questions, I found myself, um, the military had sent me down to Florida, and when I went to book a hotel room, the place that I was staying at had the, la the last uh, word in its name was resort. All right, so, and it was on Okaloosa Island. I mean, come on, you know, if, if you got to travel for the military, it's not a bad thing if, if they put you up in a resort and it's on an island, all right? And so we drove there into Destin, Florida, and um, as I, I pulled up and I got out of the truck and Carrie was inside there, and, and so I walked in to, to check into the resort. And as I checked in, the uh, person that was at the desk um, asked me, he says, I need to ask you a question. I said, what's that? He goes, would you like a kitchen or would you like a view? <laughs> now, I knew what this young man was asking me. All right. Do, do, did I want a kitchen inside or did I want a room that opened up to the beach? What do you think I said? That's right. I had my wife sitting in the truck. She had no clue about this conversation going on. And all I'm thinking is, you know what? I'm going to be the hero when I open up the door and open up the blinds to the window. And there is 
the beach. I mean, I can still hear the waves. And then I realized there's something special about this young man. So I asked him, I said, I said, are you the owner of this resort? And he chuckled. He goes, no, I just work this. I go off shift at 10 o'clock. I said, no, that can't be right. You must be the owner of this resort. He goes, no, really, trust me, they just pay me by the hour. He goes, well, why do you ask? I said, well, I said, I'm reading a book, and it says good leaders ask great questions. And my friend, that was a great question. Well, you know, if I could um, write a book myself, it would be titled this, Good Christians Ask Great Questions. You know, uh, it's not enough for us just to open up this uh, word and to, to read it, but I believe that we need to devour it. We need to get exposed to this in such a way. And really, you have to ask questions about God's word. You know, it's okay to ask the question, was Jesus Christ really the Son of God? It's okay to ask questions like, why in the world would God make it impossible for anyone to go to heaven? Because nobody could live a life that's sinless. See, it's okay to ask those questions. Because trust me, if we don't ask those questions and we don't get those answers, there's people that we're going to pass every day. They are asking those questions and they're not getting the answers. And ladies and gentlemen, we are on mission. That's why we're here. And I don't know about you, but I find it interesting. I don't think it's a coincidence, but I find it interesting that many times when I'll have a question and then I'll dig in and I'll find the answer, I may be in line at Walmart and somehow the conversation leads to that very discussion. And you know what? Sometimes they think, man, this guy is smart. Then they find out I'm a passion. They're like, oh, maybe not. Let me just say this, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't ask the questions, you won't get the answers. If you're not willing to ask the tough questions, you'll never find out the answers. Have you ever been in a class and the, the teacher was talking and, man, it was just whoo, over your head. And all oh, you wanted to raise your hand and ask a question, but you didn't want to ask a dumb question, right? We all like that. All right. Matter of fact, if you're sitting in a room, I learned this. If you're sitting in a room and there's 20 of you in the classroom and you're thinking about asking a question, but you're afraid to ask it because it's going to be a dumb question, I promise you there's at least 10 other people wanting to ask the same dumb question. And guess what? Thankfully, in a room of 20, there's always going to be one that raised their hand. And they ask what you thought was a dumb question. And what's interesting is whenever they ask that dumb question, you can hear just a, a complete sigh roll through the room. Like they ask the question like, oh, thank you. You see, it wasn't such a dumb question, was it? And I'm here to tell you that when you have questions about God's word, when you have questions about the Christian walk, it's okay. Why? Because one of the best principles that you could take to study in God's word is to ask the right questions well not only do we want to ask the right questions but we need to write down our observations i don't know if you figured this out or not but every time i get up here to preach there's a note taker sitting on the back table or there's a note taker stuffed inside the bulletins why in the world would we print up note takers every week because i figured this out less of you write notes than 
the number of you that do write notes. So why would I continue to waste paper putting a note taker out there? It's very simply this. Here's what the empirical data tells us. That if all you do is just come to church and listen to what I say, that you are going to retain 10% of the words that are coming out of my mouth. 10%. Now that's not bad. I mean, some of you really smart ones, you'll retain 12. But here, check this out. If you'll write down what you hear me saying, you'll retain 50%. That's the average. And some of you I look at, and you are above average. So you might retain 60%. Come on. See, that's why we put the note taker out there. And, and I would challenge you as a believer, when you have questions, write them down. Go and seek them. Some of you all humble me, all right? Uh, Monica is one. Uh, every once in a while, I will see her notes. I'm like, did I preach that much? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's got a book going over here. And, and I'm thinking, I'd like to read that because I, I could learn from the notes that she takes. And here's what I'm telling you is that I would encourage you to write down when you hear something that stands out to you, because here, here's the reality. If you don't write down what I'm sharing with you, I'm going to give you five principles and most of you won't remember one of them next week. But if you'll write them down, guess what? You'll remember two or three. Come on, that's a pretty good odds. I'll take them. So not only do we um, ask the right questions, not only do we write down our observations, but the third principle that I want to introduce you is this, that don't just interpret, because interpret's writing the questions down and, and writing the answers that you find. Apply it. Folks, if you learn nothing from me, I am more interested in living a practical Christianity than a, a high church style of Christianity. What do I mean by that? I'm more interested in doing what this Bible says than carrying around a Bible. Because you know one day, if our country keeps going the direction it's going, we won't have one of these. All we're going to have is what's been hidden in our heart. And, and it's more important what actually gets hidden in our heart than all these words. Because I give you those statistics, 66 books, 40 authors, over 1,500 year period, three different continents, three different languages. But none of that matters if you don't apply any of it. Let me tell you why else it's important to apply it. So if you just listen today, how much are you going to learn? 10%, not much. Or 12. Overachievers, Carla. If you write down notes, how much of that will you retain of what you write down? 50 to 60% if you're an overachiever. Monica's probably bumping 65. But listen to this. If you apply it, if you engage the Word of God, you will remember 80%. Come on now. That's good stuff right there, folks. That's, that's a good reason why you should be writing notes down. If, if you, uh, I love, matter of fact, I mean, this is a very new Bible for me, and so there's not a lot written down in here, but if you, if you look, you're going to start seeing notes. You'll see where I highlight, and then I write something off to the side. What's the likelihood that I remember that? It's powerful. You might get 85. Uh, 85, nine, I'm shooting for 90. 
So if we ask the right questions, if we write down our observations, and we don't just stop there, but we apply it and and put it into our lives, now we're retaining 80% of God's Word. Well, here's the fourth principle that we need to when we study, and that is to study it systematically. Now, folks, I don't want to beat you all up. This is not the reproof. This is not the correction time. But I'm afraid that many of you, your method of Bible study is this. Mm, ah, Okay, what's God going to say to me today? Now, now, folks, I, I don't want to belittle this because I've used it a couple times in my life. All right, and God spoke to me through it, okay? But that's not the way that we should spend 365 days of year studying God's Word. What we should do is to study it systematically. What does that mean? That just means to have a process in which you study God's Word. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, he said, he calls it the dip and skip method. And, and that's literally where, you, you know, it's Monday, okay, I'm going to study John 21, 1. All right, Tuesday, I'm looking at, ooh, Proverbs 13. Uh, on Wednesday, I'm going to John chapter 1. On Thursday, I'm in the index. Uh, <laughs> See, that's what the dip and skip method does to us. Uh, here's one of the things I learned. If, you, if you're looking for a systematic way to study God's Word, I did this all through my teenage years, and I would challenge you to do something like this, and that is to read one proverb a day. Does anyone know how many proverbs there are in the, in the book of Proverbs? There's 31. Now, um, I know not every month has 31 days, but there's no months that have more than 31 days. So if all you did was, so what's today, the 13th? You read Proverbs 13. Guess what you're going to read tomorrow? 14. Proverbs 14. Tuesday, it's not a secret. Proverbs 15. All right? And so I watched as a teenager, 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old, many times that on the 13th, God had a verse in Proverbs 13 for me. Well, you know, I wasn't satisfied with just studying that way, that systematically that way. Another way that I learned to study was to read five psalms a day. You know, how many psalms are there in God's Word? 150. So if you divide that by 30, guess that's five. So if, if you read a psalm a day, you're going to run out on the 30th, take the 31st off, it's okay. And what you would find out is that you would read the book of Psalms every month. You would be reading the book of Proverbs every month. And you would have to spend less than three minutes a day to do, accomplish that. Until you get to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, it's about 16 minutes to read that from start to finish. But that is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. So ask the right questions. Write down your observations and don't just interpret it. You need to apply it. And then we study it systematically. And finally, here's what I'd share with you is this. Is to read it again and again and again. Read it again and again and again. Everyone say that with me. Read it again and again and again. Uh, D.L. Moody was uh, teaching a group of young pastors. And uh, one of the... um, boys was going to a church and the pastor was preaching on John 3 16 and he was he preached it every week and there's six months in the year and every week he preached John 3 16 and so this young bible student you know raised his hand and he said uh, you know uh, professor moody um you know my pastor's doing this when do you think he should stop preaching on John 3 16 
And uh, D.L. Moody says, well, when uh, you start doing what it says, maybe he can move on. <laughs> maybe the same thing's true for us. That's why we read it again and again and again. Because sometimes we don't get it the first time. I mean, I'm a slow learner. I, I, I'll admit it. My wife will vouch for it. My kids will hallelujah over it. My older sister will absolutely go bonkers to tell you I'm a slow learner. I'm a little slow on the uptake. I don't always pick up what Jesus is putting down in, in his word. Matter of fact, I don't know. Have you guys ever read a verse? And like you know you've read this for the last 10 years. But all of a sudden, it like, like there's a light bulb coming out of it. And it's, yeah, and it's like, Ronnie, dummy, this is for you today. And I'm like, I've read that 100 times and I never got that. But today, I did. See, that's why we read it again and again and again. How would you read God? I mean, this is long. Matter of fact, I think I saw um, on Facebook that uh, Josh and Brittany are about to finish reading God's Word through one full time this year. All right, now, can, can you read God's Word, the 66 books, through every day? If you got a job, no. <laughs> All right? But you know what you could do? You could read a book every day. If a book's too much for you, find a small book, like Philemon. That's a good one. Colossians. There's another one. But if you can't read a book, find a chapter. Go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and read that every... You struggle with how to love people? Read 1 Corinthians 13 every day for 30 days in a row. Maybe you can't read a book. Maybe you can't read a chapter. Maybe you can read a verse. If you uh, look up the hashtag every day in May, you're undoubtedly going to find for the last two years, um, I have posted a different scripture every day in May, challenging people to read a book, a chapter, or a verse. Why? Because this is a principle that works. If you look at what I'm about to teach you over the next six weeks, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you the devotional Bible study method. You can summarize it in one word, and that's this, the word meditate. Now, uh, it's 2019, and it's funny how that a lot of our spiritual words get hijacked. All right, and so many times we hear somebody talk about the word meditate, and we're like, eh, you know, burning incense, humming, sitting in a certain position, finding lint in your belly button, I don't know. But the reality is this. Let me just break down the word meditate. And the first thing is this, that it's a verb. That means you've got to be doing something. Do you realize that all of us, average, above average, we think between thirty to 50,000 thoughts a day? Now, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rat us out here. Has any man ever been going down the highway, driving, enjoying yourself, and your wife looks over at you and says, Honey... What are you thinking? Am I the only guy that that's ever happened to? I know I'm not. Uh, Y'all afraid to raise your hands. I get it. I understand. I see them sitting right beside you. It's okay. But, but the reality is this. When our wives say, honey, what are you thinking? And we're driving down the highway. What? Oh, every one of us, what do we say? Nothing. That's right. We say nothing. Okay, that's like the standard answer. That's what they gave us. When your wife asks this question, you say nothing. Well, here's the truth. If they literally 
hooked you up to an EKG machine while you're driving down the road and you answered your wife that question, nothing, what would the EKG machine say? Liar. You're thinking, look at it. Ding, 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 ding. It, you know, matter of fact, when your wife started asking you the question, it started going a little higher. And the truth of the matter, men, is we just don't complete that sentence. You know, because one word's not a sentence. And, and really what we're trying to say is nothing that I want to talk about. Okay, I'm going I'm to let you men off the hook. The word meditate is a verb. We all do it. And we do it all the time. 30 to 50,000 thoughts a day. And here's what's interesting. You know that the New Testament is written in Greek and the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. Um, the Hebrew word for meditate is haga. Now, I know you're not going to use that on an everyday basis, but here's what it means to murmur. You know, so literally, like, like you're saying God's word and you're repeating it and you're, you're saying it so much that you start kind of, you know, you're saying it, but you're not saying it. Yeah, that's what meditating in the Old Testament refers to. And in the New Testament, it means to prepare a defense. How many people, come on, be honest, you're in church. How many people have, uh, you knew you were about to have a conversation with someone. It might have been your wife, it might have been your son or daughter, it might have been your boss at work. And like you just like go over it in your head. Like if they ask this, I'm going to say that. If they say that, I'm going to do this. And, when they, and then I'm going to ham, you, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's what the Bible means when it says Meditate. See, we do that with our coworkers. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our friends. We do that with our family. But how many times do we really do that with God's word? So when Satan says, hey, try this out, just like Jesus says, doesn't God's word say? How many times do we respond like that? The reason why we don't is because we don't spend our time meditating the way that God has described it. Instead, what we do, we embrace the negative form of meditation and the, the, that word is called to ruminate. You know when we do our best rumination? Is when we lay our head down at night. We close our eyes, and then all of a sudden the thoughts start coming. And, and you may have been that person that you only thought 15,000 thoughts that morning, that afternoon, that evening. But when you laid your head down, you're going to go from 15,000 to 50,000 before midnight. But see, you don't stop at midnight. You'll do it until 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. And what's funny is, when you went to bed, you were tired. But when you start meditating on the negative, when you start ruminating, no, you're no longer tired. Matter of fact, you can't even get to sleep. Well, God's Word tells us about this. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua 1.8 or look up on the screen, you'll see it. Joshua 1.8 says this. But before I... Remember I told you that there's three Ps? Do you all recall what the P number one was? There's a principle. P number two is there's a philosophy. And P number three is what? There's a promise. Thank you. All right, so let me show you those three Ps here. It says, do not let the, this book of the law depart from your mouth. Here comes P number one. P number one is a principle. Meditate it. Meditate on it day and night. That's the principle. Meditate on it day and night. Here's P number two. Here's why you should meditate on God's word day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. All right, so there's the why. Here's the promise. So if you will meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Here's the promise. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How many people would like to be prosperous and successful? How many people would like to be more prosperous and more successful than you are right now? Joshua 1.8 gives you the secret. Meditate on God's word. But here's the problem. We think that if we read a Bible verse once or twice a day, that's, that's good enough. That's not what Joshua meant in Joshua 1.8. That's not what the Holy Spirit meant when he um, gave those words to him. That's not what God meant when he sealed this in the canon of Scripture. What he means is to uh, formulate that defense with the principles that is laid out here, in, not only in Joshua, but throughout the entire Old and New Testament. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 97 says it this way. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long how many people can really say that we meditate on god's word all day long it's a hard one so here's here is my commitment to um, myself and to god and that is every day for the next 40 days i'm going to meditate on psalm 119 you know if you open up the the book of Psalms, and you go to Psalm 119, you'll see that it's divided into eight verses, every, every eight verses. Like, so it starts off Aleph, Beth, Gimel. These are the Hebrew alphabet. And so it does that 22 times, ends up with 176 different verses. And what's interesting is that you will see all throughout this that there are many times where he talks about meditating. And not only does he talk about meditating, but he talks about meditating on it day and night. All day long. Here's what I love about Psalm 119, and here's why I picked Psalm 119, and that's this that God's word is mentioned in every verse. I'll just read the first eight for you. It says, Blessed are those who whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. There's God's word mentioned. If you mark up your Bible, I challenge you, go through Psalm 119 and highlight every place or underline where it shows you God's word. In verse 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies. There it is, testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Verse 3, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. Verse 4, you commanded your precepts. To be kept diligent. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Verse 8, I will keep your statutes. See, um, I don't know how you're going to systematically study God's word, but for the next 40 days, this is what I'm going to do. I know that it takes, I, I did it last night. It takes 16 and a half minutes to read through Psalm 119. But here's what I love. Today it's 2019 and technology is my friend. So I can open up my um, uh, smartphone, which I left down there on the seat, and uh, I can open it up to uh, the um, Audible, and I've purchased a, a reading of the Bible. And so I've got it bookmarked, and then I just hit play, and it reads Psalm 119 to me. Not only that, but I... Uh, opened up a Word document, I copy and pasted in the, all 176 words, and then I've got white space, like a mile long on either side, that I'll be writing the notes for the next 40 days, capturing what the Lord is saying to me through Psalm 119. 
You know, wouldn't it be interesting how you slept better if you read 176 verses every night before you went to bed and every one of those verses mentioned God's word? No pressure. Let me read another verse to you in Psalm 119 and 148. I think it's going to say uh, 97 there, Donna, but it's, it's the second slide. And it says this, My eyes stay open through the watches. This is actually uh, Psalm 119, 148. Through the watches of the night. Folks, if you are having a tough time going to bed at night, if you're having a tough time going to sleep once you lay your head down, I challenge you, get back up, open up God's word, and do what the psalmist here. And this is Ezra. Ezra. Ezra is responsible for putting the entire Old Testament together as we know it. And so when he says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promises, he was literally the person who was holding all of these different scrolls. And he would go through and read those when he couldn't sleep at night. This is powerful stuff. So let me talk to you about this. So I'm going to teach you six different ways to study God's word. And here's, here's a very simple way, and it's called pronounce it. And this is one of the six different methods for a meditation. And so I'm going to take our Bible verse. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I was listening to you all do the Bible verse with Jacob a little earlier, and I'm going to give you a D. All right, I'm going to give you a D for participation. All right, so next Sunday, let's, let's bring a little more to it. Let's at least get a, let's walk out with a C next week, okay? So let me reintroduce to you Colossians 3 and verse 16. And let me do this in such a way that I pronounce. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take each one of these words and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some emphasis on it. And so if I read it the first time, I, I read it and I put my emphasis on the red le- lettered word there. And it says, let the word of God of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, if you just look at that word let, what does that mean? That is an imperative. That means do this. And the word let actually means to surrender, to lay down your defense. So when you go to the Bible and it says love your enemies, don't go, oh, but God, you don't understand. Let me tell you about this enemy. See, you need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You need to lower your defenses. You need to open up yourself. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree everything you're saying, Ronnie. And when I see them like this, I know they don't. Why? Because psychologists tell us this is body language. It's funny. Uh, a bunch of you just opened up your arms. <laughs> I, I wasn't saying that about you all. I, look, when I talk in here, it has nothing to do with anyone. Okay, I, I just told a lie. I'm sorry, Jesus. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All right, now let's go to the second. And now I'm going to put my emphasis on the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Remember, I can tell you that there's 66 books written by 40 authors over a 1,500-year period of time on three different continents and three different languages with one message. It's amazing about God's word. Let me put the emphasis on of Christ. Let the word of Christ... Dwell in you richly. Why is it important that I read this? Because this is God's word. This isn't Ronnie's take on God's word. This is God's word. If you've ever wanted to have lunch with Jesus, this is what he would say to you. If you've ever wondered if if you could just have a little bit of time with one of the saints, this is what they would tell you. 
The problem is that if I told you that, you don't listen, you don't, you don't, you don't buy what I'm selling. A, a wise friend told me once, we used to talk about like, ooh, if I could have lunch with somebody, you know, uh, here are the questions I would ask. Well, a, a guy who was in that position where a lot of people wanted to have lunch with him, he said this, if you want to have lunch with me, buy my book. Because everything I would tell you at lunch is in the book. You want to have lunch with Jesus? Buy the book. Read the book. Because everything that he wants you to know, everything he wants you to understand, everything is in the book. Well, let's go on and put some emphasis on the next word. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does the Bible mean when it says to dwell? It means to let it live in you. Boy, wouldn't it be interesting how our lives would change if we allowed God's word to live inside of us? It would. Let's do this one more time. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, the problem is that most of us, we can read this Bible and, and I can apply it to you and you and you and you and you and you and especially you. She didn't see that. Um, but the reality is that the word of Christ is meant to dwell it was written for me. When I read God's word, it's meant for me. When you read God's word, guess who it's meant for? It's meant for you. That's right. See, if you would read God's word looking for the stuff that you look for to read to somebody else, boy, you'd, you'd walk away a different person. You'd now understand what it means to not just be informed by God's word, but to be transformed by God's word. And let me just close with this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, you know, a lot of us shake our head at that word. We don't have a, a clue what he means when he says richly. See, this is what the Bible means when it says richly. It's talking about abundance. Not only is it talking about abundance, but it's talking about having abundance in, a, in something that's invaluable. Boy, if I could give you a truckload of something that's invaluable, what would you want me to put in your trunk? Would, you, would, it, would it be gold bars? Real ones? Would it be $100 bills? See, because like, that's what we think of in our today's economy. But just think about that. If, if we chose gold, man, just put gold bars in the back of my truck, I'd be a happy man. I might not be able to drive it, but I'll be a happy man. Here's what God says. That I take those same gold bars, and that's what I line the streets with. Why? Because I got so many of them. And if I run out, I just make more. I just speak it into existence. Let me ask you a question. If you had to take an inventory about how much does the Word of God dwell in you? What would your answer be? And the reality is this. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to look down at the pew. The reality is this, folks, that most of us fall far short of letting God's Word dwell in us richly. That's the reality. The reality is this, that, you know, Jacob got up here and he, he had a little quote and it says that when our church is filled with love, the back wall would be cracked out. Why? Because it'd be so full. 
the truth of the matter is that when God's word doesn't permeate us and it doesn't affect us so that we start having an effect on other people, people don't want what we got. Even though we know that what we have is eternal life, even though we know that what we have is going to result in us going and spending eternity with Christ, with God, there are, there are a vast majority of those that are outside the doors of this building that live within 15 miles of this church that t- would tell you, if you asked, hey, you, you need what I got, they would be honest and they would tell you, I don't want what you have. And the reason is, is not because they don't like you. The reason is not because you're different from them. The reason is because what is in you is not making a difference. Church, this is what we need to think about and focus on. You know, I preached a, a message, and it, and it wasn't mine. It was um, J.D. Greer's. He, he, he released this to the, uh, our convention. He uh, wrote a book on this, and he said, The Gospel Above All. Church, it, until we find that ability to put the gospel above all we're going to keep missing the mark see when we put the gospel above our politics when we put the gospel above our preferences when we put the gospel above what we want because at the end of the day that's all that matters you know i had the privilege to lead two boys to jesus just less than an hour ago I wish every one of you could experience it when two boys walk up to you and says, our dad said we need to talk to you about being saved. And then as I'm talking to them, one other little boy comes up to the table and listens to all that. Probably too young right now. Church, God's word is not enough if we just let it inform us. It's not enough if all we do is just read and write it down. We got to apply it. And when we apply it, it transforms our lives. We would stand and just close your eyes and, and, and listen to what I'm saying. But more importantly, start speaking to God. As you take an inventory of what has happened and how you are spending time in God's Word, as I prepared for this message, I was convicted that I wasn't spending enough time in God's Word. I wasn't letting it dwell in me richly. By my, that definition I just shared with you, I missed it. And I'm a pastor. So as you take an inventory, do you find that the only time that you look or think about God's Word is here at church? That is a good thing, but that's not enough. Have you made time where systematically you are studying God's word? That's a good thing, but we we need more. And so I'm just going to lead us in prayer. And then after I'm done praying, Gary, if you'll sing the song about thy word, I ask you all to, to go to our Heavenly Father. If you are able to, I would come up here and I would pray and take that burden to the Lord. If you're not, sit down right where you're at. And let God hear the cry of your heart. Can you say like the psalmist that you want to meditate, you want to think, 
You want to murmur. You want to repeat it over and over again all day long, day and night, throughout the night watches. If not, do you want to be like that? If so, tell your Heavenly Father. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you would allow the next six weeks, God, for our church to be transformed by your word. That, Lord, we would take in, we wouldn't just read it, Lord, but we would apply it to our lives. God, I ask that you would speak to me personally as I read through Psalm 119 every day. God, I ask that you would just allow your word to permeate my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.